Good evening and welcome to Sunday night's show. Tomorrow is another Monday and I spent my whole weekend relaxing, doing stuff, reading, chilling, billing. I'll tell you one thing I did not do. I did not go and see Renfield because it was not playing at my local Alamo. And I'm pretty darn pissed about it. To be honest with you, it's pretty upsetting. I really want to see it. I'm probably going to have to go see it at a different theater. I don't like to go to places that aren't my Alamo. It is what it is. Doesn't make it doesn't make it any less frustrating. That's the truth. That is the truth right there. I'm checking. We should be live on Instagram too. I'm not seeing any example of that. Let's take a look. No. Well, that's really weird. Should have worked, but didn't. Hello, Mushroom. Mushroom, long time no see. How are you? Hi, Biz. Good evening. Got a lot of Sunday Sunday event schedule programming to watch, but I figured we'd do a little showy show before we get to that. I really want to talk about this vinyl situation it's like really really rad and crazy and surreal and we've talked about it before this isn't the first time we've spoken about it let me check this to see if this is working here on my phone before we begin before we start yeah that's you gotta edit the privacy You got to kind of think about this episode as like the Hobbit to the Lord of the Rings. I'm going to repeat that, (laughs) that phrase a little bit later. And that's only because even though we've discussed vinyl on the show, we're really only just scratching the surface in terms of stuff there is to talk about in the realm of vinyl, vinyl collecting and misfits, Sam Hain. Danzig vinyl as a whole. Mushroom says, just running a kitchen, trying to have a life. Always a pleasure, sir. Sir, I know all about that kitchen life. I spent many years knee deep in those trenches, so I totally get it. What's going on, Jake? Right? Your name's Jake from uh HMX band. I think I think your name is Jake. Um Let's start the show off right. I don't know if he, he's, he may or may not be here, but we always have to start the show this way when we do a Misfit show for um, Brother Rue Morg. We want, we want to make sure Rue Morg is tickled pink should he listen to this. Jeff is going to talk about the Misfits right now. He's a nerd about this stuff, obsessed anyhow. Jeff never shuts his face, always needs to talk. My eyes show some weight if he went out for a walk. Do you think that he cares? He doesn't care. He's out in Karanch. Now, you know, it's a little frustrating. I I tweaked my thing. I should be going to Instagram live, and I'm not sure that I am. How about that? That's a shame. 
All right. It is what it is. I can't I can't focus on that right now. All right. So a lot of people on a lot of people in like, you know, collecting circles like Misfit Sam Hain Dance and collecting circles or people who collect were sharing this article and it kind of like blew my mind to think about this, to to see this. Um, it's from Goldmine, which is a music collecting magazine. Let's share this first. We'll, we'll go through. I got a bunch of stuff here. And this kind of blows me. This kind of blows me away, man. Sam Hain, a, a, an obscure band, lesser known band out of all Glenn Danzig's bands, right? People usually think of the, they think of the Misfits, or they think of Danzig, and Sam Hain could so, sort of slips through the cracks if you're not you know, super into this stuff like we are. It can at least. But this magazine, Goldmine Market Watch, examines these top-selling records on eBay during the month of 2023. Now, this might be something that comes out, like, I guess it comes out every month. Maybe this is very common. I just, I find, I personally find it incredible. These are the top-selling records on eBay during the month of March 2023. Right here, we have a... Uh, test pressing for Sam Hain Initium, and it sold for ten thousand one hundred dollars. Now, you could say, well, it's a test pressing, and test pressings are unique for a lot of reasons. We've previously stated that what's cool about a test pressing is if they if the band listens to a test pressing and decides that it doesn't like the way that the record sounds, they might go back. And, you know, remix and then strike another test pressing, right? And if they do that, that makes the previous test pressing a very unique mix of, of an album. In this case, this particular one, there's only three test pressings, each one to a member of the band, Erie, Steve Zing. Um, but they were only three test pressings made of the album. This is the copy of the test pressing on which Glenn Danzig scratched out the original mix of Archangel with a knife because it was the wrong mix. Other than the defacement, the record surface is very good plus plus. Now, what's really cool about that, I suppose, is that this is a this is so this is a test. Not only is it a test pressing, but it's a test pressing that has a story attached to it right and that's gonna make that makes the record even more valuable because it's like this is the you know this is part of the history and the story of this band putting out this record and the lead singer and you know um uh writer of the songs and whatever the band leader he scratched out a mix like it, it just adds it adds intrinsic value from a you know a collector standpoint in the same way that's like why would anybody want a test pressing you know, anybody, anybody who just wants to just listen to a record, they're not going to care about a test pressing unless you're like, a, you know, a vinyl, whatever record collecting fiend. And you understand that that value and then add the value that this is defaced because of this, this and this. It just you could see how it could sell for ten thousand one hundred dollars, but even ten thousand one hundred dollars is a drop in the bucket compared to what some of this. Some, you know, Samhain Misfits Danzig record collecting paraphernalia has gone for. And we'll get to that in a second. Here's another. So number two on this list is another copy of Initium. And it's a red pink. It says pink in parentheses vinyl. 
Condition is very good near mint, and it sold for $6,107. After the first pressing uh, sold out, that was from August 1984. There was a second pressing on red vinyl, and that was in May of 1986. On some copies like this one, the vinyl came out pink instead of red. Now, again, why does this happen? It happens because when you... When you, uh, well, I don't know about this particular one, but sometimes when you change over the color, if you don't clean out the stamper, you get swirls, right? So if you're going from gray to white, you're going to get like a weird, sorry, if you're going from black to white and you don't clear it out, you don't clean it out properly, you're going to get like streaks of this or streaks of that. And, you know, uh, fiend collectors in particular, they go rabid for this stuff. It's like each one is a unique art piece which also says something about the psychology and sort of like the mentality of the record collecting market as a whole i've sort of i've told this story before but i'm gonna tell it again just because we're here right now and <laughs> this is my copy of this is my copy of uh Sam Hain Initium. I paid $55 for this record. And you can see on the back, I don't listen. I'm not a big autograph guy. I don't care, but I don't know. I, I, I knew I was going to be able to get Steve Zing to sign it. So I had him sign it and I had him do it. Like I asked him to draw that little bat. I had him do it in a place that wasn't going to like mess up. I didn't want him to like do it here or here. I thought it would be like, it would accentuate the cover in the same way that like that scratch sort of accentuates the test pressing. So too, do I think it's kind of cool to have that in the corner? Some record collectors probably are like, they're like, you know, purists. They don't want anything on the record at all. Or maybe they get the inner paper sleeve sign, but you want to leave the record pristine. I, I'm kind of like, I'm mixed. I'm kind of feel that way, but I also kind of think that's kind of cool. Um, without personalizing the record, but it's like that guy played on the record and he's doing a little thing. And I don't know. I kind of like it. I think it's neat. I'm never going to sell this copy. I have no, at least I have no intention to sell this copy. Um, but these, I'm going to talk about this in, in a minute. Sort of flying by the seat of my pants here. So that was, uh, this was from just last month, but then I was, I kept, I kept looking, I kept looking, I was looking for more. Right. And I was like thinking like, wow, I wonder if this kept happening. Um, I wonder if this kept happening. What's the, Oh, wow. We got, we got friggin' royalty here. We got the Scamacy is here. How you doing, Sam? What's the biggest giveaway to tell if you've run across legit Sam Hain vinyl? Um, I suppose one would say it's the okay again any of the record collecting buffs feel free to correct me I think it's a combination of the the matrix numbers but also there's a book and we're going to talk about the book in a second uh there's a book they figured out this whole way to determine what is a, a truly authentic copy versus what is not because a lot of this stuff has been heavily heavily bootlegged including right now sam hain vinyl is being heavily bootlegged there are websites out there illegal websites or whatever that are selling thousands of copies of sam hain vinyl i guess flooding the market with it because there's a demand in the market for it go figure um 
but yeah, I would say those that's those are some ways to determine that sort of stuff. Um, I don't know what the barcode deal is with Sam Hain vinyl. I think if it doesn't have a like the the earliest pressing doesn't have a barcode, so that's like a good indicator. I'm really not the guy to ask, to be honest with you, Sam. Uh, hold on, guys. Let let me get to the next one here. So we saw that. Then here's one from November 2022. This is crazy. So this was just a few months prior to the one that we just saw, right? Um, is this it? Uh, yeah. Here we go. Can anybody tell me if I'm live on Instagram? I'd like to know. So this is from November 2022. And this is, like, once again, this is just like a watch that they do to see what the, the, the top-selling records are, right? There you go. There's a there is a cough cool blank records. Never noticed the way Danzig has the, the, the little ant, the little things up there. Uh blankety blank music, the misfits. And this sold for nine thousand eight eighty dollars. Okay, so only ten thousand dollars. There's only five hundred copies of this press as we know, and uh about a hundred of those copies were burned in a fire. So there's even fewer. So it is a incredibly incredibly rare record if you have this record i mean it's insane i remember i want to say about 10 to 12 years ago this record was going for a you know two thousand dollars and now it's exploded mind you you could say that this was a fluke and that somebody you know there's i mean look there's like tons there we could literally spend hours just discussing you know the ocean oceans of information about how these markets are working and how there are, you know, again, someone could say it better than me, but there's like, you have, you have people out there that are manipulating the markets by uh, inflating values, by buying pieces that people with deep pockets, they're buying pieces for large amounts of money, like $9,080 for a seven inch vinyl, that probably if it sold, I don't, they probably gave them all out in 1977, but if they sold them, maybe they sold them for a buck. Right. And now that in value has inflated 9,000%. It's kind of insane. Um, but what's interesting, but what's interesting is you have these people, they're like, it's like, they're almost like they're inflating the market, but it's not really artificially inflating because it just, it seems to keep growing. That doesn't the bubble doesn't burst. You know, I thought the bubble was going to burst ten something years ago, and I very, very, very casually follow this stuff. I really don't. I really don't follow it. And there's so many other. Again, I just want to clarify. There's so many other people who could really speak with greater authority than I on this stuff. But in my casual like glancings of this stuff, it's just amazing how it's just continued to grow. And what's crazy is this right here, $9,000 is not the highest that a cough cool has gone for. If you'll remember back in 2021, we were, we were following this when this happened. This was from March 9th, 2021. So this was almost two years prior. This is from Louder Sound. I guess this is kind of like a continuation of we've talked about this. They've done shows on this before. Look at this. Remember when we were following this, we were we were wondering, you know, it, it jumped up. It was like five thousand and then seven thousand. Everybody was going like, when is the friggin like floor going to drop out? 
this this version of cough cool was sold for almost eleven thousand dollars ten thousand eight hundred and seventy seven dollars and again you have people you have record collectors with bottomless pockets looking to acquire these pieces where money is no object and what they end up doing is when they spend that much money on a single piece it informs the rest of the market. Now, so anybody who d- is a part of any collector's market will tell you that, you know, markets are fluid in the set. What I mean by markets, I mean like what people are willing to pay is fluid. At the end of the day, a market, a market value is really determined by what some what somebody is willing to pay for it. That's very, very, very subjective. But it's further bolstered when you set a precedent like this. When someone sets the precedent of selling a cough cool record for $11,000, they have now sort of created a stigma around this stuff. It's gold. It's as valuable as gold, man. And here's the interesting thing about vinyl. Here's, here's what's so interesting about vinyl, right? Vinyl is this weird sort of thing where you have, it's like art, it's music, and it's also a collectible that appreciates in value. So if you do decide that you want to spend money on a record, you know that you're not really, you're not, depending on what the record is and depending on a, a few factors, you are not wasting, you're not burning money on or or what you're buying is going to appreciate in value. Unlike, here's a great example. Like for me, I used to be an avid comic book reader and over on this other side of the wall, which you guys cannot see, although we have gone there in the past uh, when we've traveled to the other side of the the, the basement studio, um, there are hundreds of trade paperback comic books. And the reason why they're trade paperback, what's a trade paperback? It's the collected single issue works of a, you know, of, of a particular storyline or story arc, whether it's Batman or the Hulk or Captain America or Spider-Man, whatever, what, what, what they have you. Um, and you know, there, you could get them anywhere on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. They're not, there's no value to them. It's just, you're reading them for the sake of reading them and you love because you love reading them. And that's not true. Sometimes they go out of print and then they do become kind of valuable a little bit. That will always increase, you know, the market value of any, any collectible sort of thing is if it goes out of print, when it goes out of print, suddenly, uh, people are, are, you know, uh, it, it increases the value. What's up? We got, we got Count Zacula in the house. What's up, Zach? How are you, sir? Um, it increases, it increases the uh, value of it when it goes out of print. But the thing that that differentiates vinyl from comic books, right? Com- like trade paperback books, which have been printed in the hundreds of thousands of millions. You might get a record. Here's a great example. Let's go through these, okay? Let's start with this one. I'm going to start with this one. So. This is Danzig Death Red Sabaoth. This is on red vinyl. And when I purchased this record, I purchased this record about 13 years ago. I can't believe how the time flies. This record is 13 years old. Isn't that friggin' crazy? Look at this thing. Beautiful. I love looking at it in the blood red, whatever you want to call it. 
Uh, there were only a thousand of these records printed. It's, you know, Danzig's ninth record. What was it his ninth, his eighth record, his ninth record. Right. And um, I, I think I paid, I paid $20 for it. Right. Um, part of the reason why I wanted to own the record as opposed to the CD, right. Cause that's really, there are options. I could, I could own it on, I could buy it on iTunes. I could buy it on CD or I could own the vinyl. Why did I pick the vinyl? One, because I like vinyl. I like listening to vinyl the, or whatever records. I like listening to records. I like the relationship, the physical ritual of taking out the disc, looking at the, the different colored vinyl and putting it on the turntable and dropping the needle. And like, it's a different experience when you listen to a record as opposed to a CD, you can't really skip you can't really skip the tracks, right? Like you can do that with a CD. You could even fast forward a tape. You can most certainly do it with, you know, um, a, you know, a digital song on iTunes or Spotify or whatever. But with a vinyl, you are forced to take in a whole side of music. Yes, you can pick up the needle and try and fudge, you know, finagle it. And yes, there used to be, it used to be a lot easier. You know, you have certain turntables that could very easily you know depending on what kind of turntable you have if you don't have a crude one you can definitely do some track shuffling and get to wherever you want to go and you know uh, uh see uh listen whatever listen to a uh a different song but if you just have like a a, a krausley turntable or whatever the hell they're, they're called if you just have like a regular turntable you have to put this on and you have to listen to side a before you decide you want to change your piece of music. You could lift the needle up. Yes, you could take it off if you want. But the idea here, the relationship here is that I'm going to put this, I'm committing to a whole side of music. It was the same thing. Was it not the same thing when you rented a, a, a VHS from, from Blockbuster, right? Now with Netflix today, you can stop a movie 15 minutes in. You can go, I don't want to watch this anymore. I want to watch something else. I'm not feeling this. Uh, I'm I'm gonna just change it. But back then, when you if you rented one or two videos from the video store on a Friday night, like you got like the last copy of like Face Off at Blockbuster, and you're not feeling Face Off. Although I don't know why you wouldn't be feeling Face Off because it's such a great movie. Um, you're still gonna watch it all the way through because you paid for the rental and you have one tape and you just have to commit to it. There's no, I mean, sure. You could put in another VHS tape, but it's like just this idea that like, I wanted a new release. I'm getting face off and there's no other new releases to pick from because I already made, I drove, I got into my car. I had to drive to the VA, the, the video store, the rental store. I had to pick my, my, my selection and bring it back. And so the same kind of mentality kind applies to a side of vinyl. The other thing, too, is it's the sequencing. You're listening to what the artist intended to open the record with and close the record with before you have to flip it over. And it really does sort of change the sequencing. So there's like this whole sort of ritual. So I bought this because I wanted that experience. But here's what I didn't realize that when I was plopping down. The other thing, too, was there's only a thousand of them. And I knew that by purchasing one, whether it increased value or not, there's something about maybe it's like the FOMO 
maybe it's like the fear of missing out, but there's something about knowing that you have one of a very small increment. So it's like, oh, I have one of a thousand. That's cool. It also, you know, enhances the collectability of said thing. Um, but it just sort of like, it just sort of adds to it. And then the last part of it, and again, this is just my psychology when it comes to records. And I'm not really, I'm not a record collector. Every once in a while I buy uh, you know, some vinyl, like, you know, especially when I can't resist, like a certain album comes out, but I'm like, I'm not, I do not need to have my entire music collection on vinyl. I just, I'm like selective, like certain albums, I'm like, yeah, I need to own that on vinyl. Um, especially I'm a sucker for like colors and like the, you know, variants and things like, you know, if it's like, I'll get, I'll get the fever and then I need to own it. But do I need to own every single copy of, Danzig's uh, DRS? No, I do not. Do I need to own every single like variation of pink shade of Walk Among Us? No, I definitely do not. You know what I mean? Um, it's just weird. But in any case, the reason why I'm like particularly holding this one up is because one day uh, I was on here and I was going through my record collection and someone was like, that record is a hundred dollars. And I did a double take. I don't know how much this is now. Actually, we could find out. Does anybody know what DRS goes for? Let's look it up. Let's look it up on Discogs. Let's look at the Discog price for Danzig. I'm kind of curious now. Def. Red. All versions. Oh, no, we didn't want to do that. We want to do the red one. Let's do that again. Death Red. Danzig. Death Red. Sabaoth, Sabaoth. Here we go. This is the red one. Wow. So it looks like I don't know. I don't know if I'm reading this right, but it looks like it's upwards of two hundred. It says the median is a hundred and thirty nine dollars. The lowest price is sixty one dollars, and the highest price is one hundred and ninety nine dollars. So this record. So when I buy a record like this, if I decide that's what I want to invest my money in. I know that it's not money wasted because this record is increasing in value. And then let's say I own every variant of this record, which is not something I'm into, but let's say that I did, I could sell that as a set for even more money. And we've seen that in the misfits world with the evil live three packs, same record, three different photos on three different, you know, album covers. And for some friggin' reason, People go nuts. You know, people spend that. That was a thing that people were spending $10,000 on something like that. So even in the last, so check this out three years ago, this record I was told to me was worth a hundred dollars. And now the ceiling, the highest ceiling, I should say, it's now pushing at $200. It just keeps going up. Now, does this work with all vinyl? No, it only works with certain vinyl. And it seems that like anything that is related to Misfit Samhain Danzig has this sort of like, like, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Um, this sort of shine affinity ability um, to increase in value. And I think here's what I think part of that is, is that people are fanatical about these collections. And, you know, here's the thing. When you reach the upper echelon, there are certain people that sell their whole collections off tank who we've had on the show is a prime example of that tank sold his whole collection for, you know, $50,000, something like that. He used it to buy a down, put a down payment on the house. So when you get high, when you get heavy enough into it, when you get 
fanatical enough about it and you get a big enough collection, you know, you can get to a place where you could, you know, not sell it piecemeal, but you could sell the whole thing and get, you know, a, a you know, a, a nice chunk of change. Right. So ultimately when I'm buying this, I'm not just, again, I'm buying it. It's increasing in value, but also it's like, it's not just a piece of music. It's like this, it's an artifact that has music on it that I can listen to like music that I could look at like art or that I can keep like a collectible. I think that covers all the bases. We will, uh, we'll, we'll look at the next record in a second. Sort of all over the place here. Um, I remember a few years back, like the single item that probably went for the most money, like record record. What? <laughs> Oh man, that is a comment and a half. Wow. He said the Bitcoin of goths. That is friggin' funny as hell, dude. That is literally the funny. Uh, that's funny as hell. Our King just got off the phone with a record store that authenticates and buys original vinyl. Hoping to see if my cough cool is authentic. From what I can tell, it checks off all the boxes. That's awesome. Our King. I hope it is. And I hope, uh, Good luck, man. Hope hope uh, hope you got a nice 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 pricey piece there. Now, does anybody remember this? This also sold very recently, and this again, it's like it's the selling of these big pieces that really bolster the value of the whole market. This is the original art for the back cover of the Misfits LP. Earth AD Wolf's Blood. Although you know whatever, it's a double whatever. It's an EP. It's a double EP. Earth AD is one side. That's the Mad Mark Rude side. And this is the, uh, the the Wolf's Blood is this this piece right here. But this was not this was not um, something that Glenn illustrated or came up with. This was something that was done by an independent artist that Glenn then acquired and wanted to use as the art on the back of the record. And it kind of like adds to the, you know, when you look at the front of Earth AD and the back of Wolf's Blood, it sort of adds to this sort of, pseudo um what's the word i'm thinking of uh pseudo concept album of like this idea of earth as it is in hell um earth ad wolf's blood released by the misfits in 1983 featured a back cover illustrated by anthony carroll stockard the image was originally created by stockard for a series illustrating la la agero uh la 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 Allegro, oops, La Allegro, a pastoral poem by John Milton written in 1645 and was originally published in the fanzine Hymns for Heathen from Austin, Texas in 1982. The image was then spotted by misfit singer Glenn Danzig and used for the back of the album. At the end of May 2021, the original image went up for auction on eBay. The bid started at the bidding started at $5,000. Mind you, this is not like this is not the original layout for Bullet. This is not the original layout for like Who Killed Marilyn or Walk Amongst. You could imagine any part of me. You could imagine any one of those records, which are far more iconic. I'd say probably one of the most obscure is the Wolf's Blood cover, right? Like this is like not one of the, the big popular ones, right? And still it's sold for a whopping $35,100 on eBay. The item was sold from Alaska. It is worth noting that Stockard worked as an architect in Alaska and passed away 
while the while residing there in 2019. Um, in the mid 80s, Stockard was in the uncalled for who released a seven inch 1985. So that's probably the most in terms of like for a single piece of, I don't know about any misfit Sam Hain Danzig regalia. And maybe I, there's something that's higher, but as far as I know, that's the upper, that's the upper echelon, man. $35,000. Now, what does, how does that affect the entire vinyl market? It, so it's so it's kind of interesting for better or for worse fair or unfair when one piece is sold for this much money everybody's misfit sam hain danzig vinyl collections all increase in value intris- intrinsically in some way shape or form right isn't that insane to think about every time a sale it's like that the, like uh Every time you you blink, a, an angel get. What's that? What's that phrase? Every time you do something, an angel gets its wings. It's like every time a piece gets sold for a disgusting amount of money, everybody's collection gets a little bit more valuable than it did before. Um, pretty insane. I've told this story here before, so I'm not going to tell it in brutal detail. But I'm just doing it for the sake of this episode because I feel like it's it's appropriate. Um, you know, let's just pull, bring these all over. So here's another example of, and here's the other thing too. It's like, I don't intend, I listen to all of these records. They don't just like sit collecting dust. I actively love listening to these records and I play them as music. Their, their purpose for me beyond any collector's value is that I enjoy listening to the music that's on them. That's the, that's the honest truth. Like, I don't have any intention to sell these and therefore I, you know, I'm going to enjoy them the way that they are meant to be enjoyed. Do I treat them very nicely? Of course I keep them in pristine condition as pristine as possible, but you know, at the same time, I'm not worried about selling. I'm really not. Although I'm sure maybe in the future, if I ever did need to sell, if I ever wanted to try and finance a feature film or something, a, a micro budget feature film that I probably could, because, you know, um, so here is my, this is my Danzig one. This is a first pressing. It's a first Euro pressing. So it's from uh, the UK and I was in Ulm, Germany, and we were in a record store and we were just, you, this record store was insane. They had every like me- metal album you could imagine. I was like, I wonder if they have any Misfits, Sam Hannon, or Danzig. And lo, you know, sure enough, somewhere on here, oh, maybe it fell off. Sure enough, I picked this up for 23 euros, maybe. I don't know. It was 22 or 23 euros. And um, dude. Like, you know, and it's so weird too. It's not, so it's not like a first pressing. It's not a Def Jam first pressing or whatever, Def, Def American. For, oh no, I guess it is. There you go. There's, it says it right there. Whoops. What am I talking about? Um, But the final is paper thin. See, it says, it has London labels on it. And I've listened to this record incessantly because I love Danzig One. It's like, great. That's a record I need to own that I want to own. You know what I mean? Um, London recordings. 
made in Holland, but it is a first pressing. It's just a first European pressing. I don't know how much it goes for, but like I said, I spent 22 euros on it in nine, in 2012 or in it, however much euros were in 2012, like whatever the value was. Um, so I, you know, I paid 20 something bucks for it. And I know, I know this, this record, I don't know what it goes for. It goes for some money though. I think it goes for some money. You know, we're going to find out right now, actually, hold on. I'm having trouble putting it back. You know, when you're trying to put a record in that sleeve, hold on. Oh, come on. It's freaking me out here. Ah, oh God. This is bad guys. This is bad news. This is bad news. Count Zacula says, because of you, Jeff, I got into Stooges Funhouse, which I just bought on vinyl, and it sounds incredible. What a record. Oh, dude. Zach, I'm so glad to hear that, man. And it is, we have yet to do a proper deep dive on Funhouse. I keep waiting for my friend Nick to do that. And I got to tell you, man, it, it's like, it's it's an immaculate, incredible record, despite, despite what uh, uh, some people think out there wink wink you know who you are i'm not gonna say your name i don't want to i don't want to blow up your spot um i'm trying to see if this is a first pressing like where it says first pressing i know it is a first pressing i know this record is from 1988 and it is in like pristine condition i was so nervous to bring this back from germany i was like treating it with such you know there was a sticker on it i had to use lighter fluid to remove the glue from the sticker. Oh, you know what? It says it right here. I paid 22 euros for it. So I paid 22 euros here. Let's do the math now. So this is just goes to show you in terms of like, I, I guess my argument here, what I'm trying to say to you all is that like vinyl is kind of like a really sound investment. If you're going to invest in collectibles, but you have to know what you're investing in. So like, if you're a misfit Samhain Danzig fan and you buy one of Jerry only's like, you know, like uh, uh Grinch who stole Christmas ah, for the kids. If you buy one of those releases, like on like, you know, green vomit splattered vinyl, it's still going to increase in value. Like that's, what's so crazy about it. Um, you should enjoy it for what it is as a piece of music. Uh, whether you want to enjoy that particular piece of music or not is up to the the, the buyer. But um, it's, you know, it's like it does. It's it's a sound investment. Let's see what that Danzig. Let's see what that Danzig first pressing Danzig. One uh, UK first pressing. I don't know if it's going to come up here. I don't know how to search Discogs very well. Uh, whoa, I'm seeing unofficial. What does that mean? No, this is that. This is official. This is from Deaf American. No way. No, no, no way. What's your Danzig one UK? Oh, there's so many variations. Oh my God. You should see this. Look at this. Can anybody look this up for me? I'm, I am clueless. I am so clueless. Somebody look this up for me, man. Oh, here. Uh, Joe says most current Sam Hain boots go going around lately are on colored wax. Any legit Sam Hain record on colored wax would be around one K at least. So price might be the best ind indicator if it's too good to be true. Huh? Biz agrees. Um, music is meant to be listened to. Uh, damn, I miss my kitchen. Jeff, scan the barcode of that Danzig record on Discogs, you silly. Okay. 
I didn't know you could do that. Thank you, Joe. That that saves me a whole bunch of trouble. All right, I'm scanning the barcode. Relax, relax. I didn't know you could do it. I don't, what am I? What do I know? I'm not. A, I told you I'm not a collector. For I just every once in a while, when the opportunity and over, you know, this is this is a period of over, you know, a decade. Every once in a while, a piece of vinyl comes my way, where I know enough, and I'm going to tell you my favorite story ever. Some of you have heard it already. Like I said, it's like the best story ever. It's about Sam Hain Initium for $50, and it was a supreme victory. And the story is just too fucking funny. And it was just with like one of those record store snobs. You're going to really love this story if you haven't heard it before. You may have already heard it, so don't, don't, uh, don't get mad at me for telling you again. 281-241. Okay, I'm doing it. And then a four. Okay. Well that limited that limits it to five. Uh yeah, UK pressing. Let's see. Oh wow, I guess it's not that valuable. Okay, so it says five for sale at $221. It says over here the highest is $161. But if the marketplace, if the highest, I don't know, I mean it it clearly goes for way more than 22 euros, though, is my point. I mean, that's crazy, man. Like the appreciation is is insane. Let's see what the other ones. Let's let's look at this one too. These are all different ones. All right. This one says the highest goes for $239. The, the median is $128. Three for sale at $188. Uh, I'm not gonna sit here and scrutinize over which of these five is the one that I have, but $149.88. Um, but clearly it was a sound investment to pay 22 euros. And you know, what's crazy, you know, who was with me when I bought this record, uh, right here in the comments, uh, Joe, who's asking me to scan the barcode. He was with me when I bought this record and had he beat me to the punch, he probably could have bought this record instead of me. And I was lucky enough to find it before he did for 22 fucking euros dancing the same. I mean, it's friggin' it's nuts. Wouldn't it be funny? Wouldn't it be funny, but not funny at all if Jeff found out his treasured original pressing was a fake live in front of us all? You know, you want it, runner? You want to know something? If that did happen, if that did happen, that would be that would be tragic. That would be terrible. But honestly, like it it would be funny. It would be hilarious, and I would just have to you know take take my licks and. And just be like, whatever. Okay, whatever. Like, I mean, so what? Big deal. Again, I'm listening to it because I like it. I'm listening to it because I like to listen to it. Not Music is meant to be listened to. Um, so this next one that I bought, I bought this. Okay, this is kind of embarrassing. This is kind of embarrassing. I remember seeing somewhere online, they th this this album has been repressed a billion times. They just, they cannot stop pressing walk among us and i think i think it's changed i think uh danzig has control of this release again i could be wrong um but because this was uh owned or at least they there was a they, they signed a 40-year deal with slash ruby records right ruby records via slash 
And because of that, they were not in control of this. And this is the reason why there's Misfits Collection too, because Glenn was determined to re-record all of Walk Among Us so that he could actually like benefit from the sale because they never got paid from the first one, right? So um, that's actually why there, there was going to be a Walk Among Us too, And that's why a lot of those songs ended up on Collection 2, funny enough. That's another story. Um, but what's interesting is they just, man, the, and Warner Brothers had control of that, uh, of Slash via Ruby. So they just kept pressing this sucker up. Remember those earache pressings they had? There was like a glow in the dark one, and they're doing like 300 in purple, 300. They just kept going and going and going and going. Oh, Joe says that that day he bought a sealed German first press of Nirvana's Nevermind, the same store that I got that Danzig first one. Also a steal. That is amazing. Joe, how much does that record go for? That must be worth like, that's got to be over a thousand dollars now. I would imagine. Maybe not because it's a Euro pressing. Oh, Joe knows what I'm talking about. We were in this vinyl store. It was unlike anything I've ever seen in the States. It was, it was incredible. Uh, what a good sport. I'm glad it's legit. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it's legit, but, but I, I, this record was authenticated by Steve Zing himself. Okay. This is a legit record. It's a legit record. Um, someone's asking if any bootleg Misfits seven-inch records from the '90s are worth anything. Now, here's something that's interesting. I'm just going to touch on this real quick because this is being brought up, and then I'll get back to uh, this walk among us here. So, what's funny is what's actually funny, and maybe it's just Misfits vinyl. Although I think it Beatles, like we literally like oceans of volumes of books could be written about Beatles vinyl alone. Like I could do a whole friggin' podcast just about the butcher cover. If anybody knows Beatles, Beatles and rare Beatles records, the butcher cover, it's like this whole insane thing, but whatever digressing, digressing. There's a 1980 something pressing of bullet. As a matter of fact, it's probably in that book. They probably talk about it in that book and that copy of bullet whether people know it's a bootleg or not is goes for money. It is worth money in the collector's market. I don't know why. I don't know if that's because people are fooled into thinking that it's a real deal, but for whatever reason, there are, there's a, a, a cough cool where the band isn't called the misfits. They're called the ghouls. And I think that one, that's one of the original bootlegs of cough cool that apparently sound better than the original cough cool. And, cost a, a pretty penny um mushroom asked me total side topic but do you like nirvana i've become a huge mark for them in the last 10 years yes i love nirvana i love nirvana we did a, a pseudo nirvana episode talking about the controversy with the kid on the cover uh which i've sort of changed my tune about since that thing initially i was kind of like you know playing devil's advocate i sort of changed my mind but i'm i'm not going to dive into it i'm trying i'm going to stay on topic but yes i do like nirvana i got we should do that sometime i'd be happy to talk about nirvana um to get back to the this pressing though this is a hot topic pressing of misfits walk among us why do i own it because i don't own walk among us on vinyl i didn't want to buy a bootleg I didn't want to spend money out the nose because that's the other thing too. When it's become convenient in, in every case, every one of these cases, it's been convenient. When it becomes convenient to buy Initium for under $100, a record that I love deeply and dearly or Danzig one, I go for it. 
especially because it's an original piece. I'm like, that's great. I'm glad to own it. Like, cool. But I've never, and no judgment on anybody who does whatever your passion is, as long as you're not hurting anybody else in the process. If your passion is to spend hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars, if that's your collector's hobby, if that's what you love doing, if that's what makes you go, then like, like, by God, like, like, enjoy. That's wonderful. For me personally, I, there's so many other things I'd rather spend my money on than like spending like hundreds of dollars on something just because it's an original. I'm one of those guys who are like, if I could find like, and I, uh, the truth is like in the past, I've definitely purchased, like I wanted bullets, but I did, could, did not have, you know, whatever, a thousand or $1,200 to spend on bullets. So I bought, you know, at, at whatever in uh, Chicago, they had it for like six ninety nine. I was like, cool. Now I have bullet and I can actually like listen to bullet the way like you're supposed to listen to bullet the way, uh, you know, our punk forefathers listen to bullet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just, I like having it. I like having it on a stand and looking at it. I like it's art to me. I want to own a, to me, I'm looking at it as like a reprint of the arts. How about that? Um, but in the case of this walk among us, I, like I said, didn't want to buy a bootleg, didn't want to spend hundreds or thousands or whatever on an original, but they kept repressing it. And this was selling for $11.99. I was like, great. I don't own Walk Among Us on vinyl. They're selling it for $11.99. And the best part was, you know what the best part about it was? And what really made me pull the trigger on this bad boy. Boy, that it's good card stock they printed this on. What really made me pull the trigger, oh, it's pink with white streaks. Can you see the white streaks? Pink with white streaks, man. And and they only pressed up a thousand. And I was going, huh, only pressed up a thousand. It's eleven ninety nine, and I don't have a copy of Walk Among Us on vinyl. You know what? That is a great sale. That's perfect. That's exactly the type of acquisition I am looking to make. So I own, I guess it's not a bootleg pressing. It's a, a much later pressing. And of course there's millions of pressings of this record, but now I'm curious to know, I spent 1199 on it and I don't remember what year that was, but I spent 1199 on it. It was on sale. They only pressed up a thousand. It was through hot topic or something. Let's put it into discogs now and see what my, how my investment has grown. I'm kind of curious to find out right now. Hold on. Let us take a look. Let's do what Joe said, right? Joe said to, um, wait a minute. Wait a cut. Wow. Wait a second. There's no, um, that's super weird. There's no barcode on here. Why is that? Where the hell is the barcode? Which is funny too, because. There's a there is a there's a there's a website for misfits.com but huh that is really weird man why is there no barcode can someone answer that for me why why here let's take the sleeve back out maybe the barcode's in there how am i supposed to know huh that is absolutely bizarre man I mean, that is like really, really bizarre. Let's let's search for it on Discogs and see how much it's worth. 
It's got to be worth something. It's got to be worth more than $11.99. But that's the funny thing. You, you never know. It's sticky. The whole situation is sticky. And you know what else is sticky? Stickers. And here at the Frumist channel, we are sponsored by ridestickers.com. Um, we're running a special promotion with them. You can get a thousand stickers for uh, $79. Okay. A thousand stickers for $79. That's seven cents per sticker. These stickers, they're printed on vinyl, which makes them waterproof. They have a UV coating, which protects them from the sun. And you get, these are two, 2.5 by three inches, but you can get them for three. You can get, you get three inch by three inch stickers. So it's three inch by three inch stickers, a thousand of those $79 That's seven cents per sticker. You just go to ridestickers.com backslash from us. The link is down in the description. That's ridestickers.com slash from us. You're not going to find a better deal and you can only get that deal. You can't get that on the regular ride stickers website. You're only going to get that deal here down in the description. So check it out. Let's listen to the less than Jake theme song and find out how much this walk among us on pink vinyl is worth. so weird i cannot find now i'm really kind of annoyed because i just put in walk among us pink and nothing's coming up how am i supposed to friggin know oh here we go here we go oh lp limited r e r p p i n could that be it could this be it what do all these abbreviations mean i bet you let's see let's let's take a look everybody Let's take a look, everybody. Okay, this is limited edition reissue, repress purple marbled. I, that's got to be it. That has got to be it. Does it give us any more information? Yes, this was the Hot Topic exclusive edition of a 1,000 copies sold in select stores and online. I bought it online, okay? How about that? And it's going for, wow. So it's on, there's one on sale for $150, $150, 75 is the median and 40 is the lowest. So from 11.99, 11.99, a record that goes for upwards $150. That is really freaking cool, man. That is really cool. And now for the best one, we saved the best for last, in my opinion. And in order to do the story justice, I'm going to, I'm going to tell the story. Don't be mad. If you heard the story already, I did a video about this. I'm just doing it again. Cause we're talking about don't be mad. 
So here it is. It says Plan 9 Pressing on black vinyl. I got this in St. Mark's at Rocket Records. I don't think it's around anymore. I got this in the year was 2011, okay? And so there's no barcode on the back of this one either. And it is indeed a first pressing on black vinyl. How much is it going for? Let's see. Um, Sam Hain Initium. Let's see. How do I know? It's not going for that much. It's only $200. So that's crazy. If I just had the red version of this record, it would, I it would, yeah, someone might bid on it for $6,000 on eBay. That's nuts. That's nuts. It's not that, it's not going for that much money. It's not going for that much money. Okay. $300. That's still good. Listen, it's, it's, I paid 50 or $55. I don't remember. I think it was $55 for this record. And so, you know, that's still pretty darn, that's still a pretty gar- darn good investment on a record that I will never sell. Not just because I love the record, not just because the, I mean, look at how cool that album art is. It is the coolest. We all know the story behind it. Horse blood, um, you know, all the stuff, all the stuff. Here, what is what is the story behind my record? Well, let me tell you the tale real quick. So I was meeting a friend. Uh, we were doing a production meeting. We we're doing a production meeting for uh, a movie that was a short film that we were talking about doing. And I was killing time before the meeting. I stopped into Rocket Records on St. Mark's. I don't think it's around anymore. Let's just double check. Rocket Records, St. Mark's. I think it's gone, man. Let's see. Oh. Oh, you know what? I've been saying the name. It was Rocket Science Records, not Rocket Records. I was missing the scientist part. And it is still around. How? Oh, no, it's permanently closed. Yeah. No, never mind. Permanently closed. That's a shame here. Let me, might as well just share it paint the picture of my story a little bit better so i was killing time and i wandered into a record store as you do as one does from time to time let's see what the outside looked like yeah oh so i was walking down saint mark's right and uh i'm walking 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 i pull up into a record store it's so sad saint mark's is so sad now can't even go there anymore. Everything is so gentrified. So I go, I go into Rocket Scientist Records, and I'm looking around, I'm looking around, and behind the uh, the clerk, right? Um, if that Sam Hain is a true first press, it's worth a lot more than three hundred dollars. Rick, all right, Rick, I want you to find out for me. Find out how much it's worth. That is your quest. How you doing, Alberto? Happy Sunday. Um. Okay, so I was walking. All right, enough, enough. I'm telling the story. So I was walking uh, into the store. I'm looking around behind the clerk, behind the record store jockey, the disc jockey, whatever you want to call him, was this vinyl uh, uh, displayed behind him. And all I can see, I see a little orange sticker and I see, I see it. It's either, 
it's either 550, 5,500, or it's 55. And I'm like, I'm like, like, like really trying to figure out what that says. Cause those are three different numbers, $55, $550 or $5,500. Now, to, I guess today per what we discussed at the beginning of this episode, if it was $5,500 that maybe that would track, but in 2011, it most certainly would have been, that would have been absolutely ridiculous. It would have been crazy, uh, a crazy amount of money. Uh, I couldn't see where the decimal point lay. So I asked and inquired the, the gentleman. I said, excuse me, that Sam Hain record up there, how much is it going for? He goes, $55. And I go, $55. He goes, yeah. I go, oh, okay. Is it uh that's an original record? And he goes, yeah, it's original record. And I go, um, I go, can I see it? And he's like, He's like, no. And I'm like, what? well, I'm just kind of curious. Why are you selling it for $55? I just, you know, in my research with all the research I had been doing at that time, I knew that, that, you know, I was kind of sort of following the markets. I was like, you know, that record is probably worth, you know, uh, at least it's over. It's got to be over a hundred, maybe $200 or something. Like it's got to be more. It's got to be way, way more. And I said that to the guy and he goes, no, it's worth $55. And, you know, I said this when I told the story the first time and there's like, I wrote out a whole thing. I don't even remember what I said. I really could just try and find it right now, but I'm not going to. Um, I wrote, I wrote out this whole thing. I was like, I was, you know, it's very possible. It's very, very possible that they priced the record. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they were like, yeah, we know we could get a hundred something dollars for this record, but we want someone to actually buy it and enjoy it. Or maybe they can't price records per, maybe you can't price a record per the eBay market value or whatever, because then you'll never sell any records. And that's, that doesn't work either. You know what I mean? So it's like, you got to be reasonable in your prices on some level. Um, and then another part of me kind of like rolls my eyes and says, no, I mean, come on, you're, if, you know, if you, any respectable record store, you're going to have an online business too. You would just sell that on online. Um, yeah. Rick says that uh, there's a, here's a first press that's in the $300 range. Buying stuff online is more convenient, but I miss the experience of going into music or toy stores because so many have been driven out of business. Yeah. It's like that. That's part of the, you know, part of the reason why, you know, part of the appeal, and we, we should have discussed this before part of the immense appeal of record shopping and collecting, whether it's today or especially back then when there was no eBay or eBay was not something that you typically used. Part of it was all about the thrill of the hunt. It was going out there, going to some place that you never had been to before. It's the idea that you don't know what you're going to find. The optimism and you know, visualizing the thing that you want so desperately. It's like it's the type of high. It's such a high when you find it or when it comes to you and you go, oh my God, I can't believe it's virtual year. You want to turn to someone who's going to like care, or like might understand the value and like shake them and be like look what i found i found this thing like oh my god i know you found this thing it's crazy it's crazy ah! um in any case like it's very possible 
it's very possible that they just simply wanted to, you know, be reasonable with the prices. But I, so I say to the guy and the guy starts, the guy starts like, um, he just start. he's just a jerk. He's just such a jerk. He's a record store. He's an elitist slot snob is what he was. He was, had a beard and glasses. And he, just, he was a snob, man. And I'm just like, I'm asking questions and maybe I'm being a little bit of like a, not know it all, but like, you know, Hey, I'm telling you some, I'm a mouth breathing in his general direction. Hey, don't you know that? That record up there is actually worth more money. Maybe he heard it 15 times. Maybe I wasn't the first guy, first jabroni to come in there and be like, hey, I don't know why I have a Southern twang when I said that. Maybe I was like, hey, did you know that that record is worth more than $55? Maybe they didn't care. Maybe they're like, in their mind, they cynically or sardonically or whatever want to like sell it for way less than it's worth. I don't know. Who friggin' knows? But for whatever reason, when I asked the guy to like, can I see the record? Cause I wanted to check. Cause I wanted to do anything I could. I was actually, I was going to go on and check the, the, the matrix etching so I could figure out and maybe get a, a better understanding. And the guy refused to take the record down. And I really, it made me annoyed. And so I said to him, I said to him, I said, um, I said, Okay, so I'll buy it. I was like straight up. I was like, even if it's a boot, like I just I need to own this. I want to own it. I never you never see you never see uh initium, you never see initium anywhere in the wild. So to see an maybe you do more today because there's more boots, but but you know, a decade and some change before. It was like, I mean, it was shocking. It would be shocking to see, you know, a Sam Hain vinyl randomly. I would never did. I never saw that. So I was like, I, I want to own it. I just want to own it. I'm willing to gamble. I'm willing. $55 is a, is a low enough gamble to be wrong and be okay with being wrong. Talking about that whole thing before of like, what if it turned out that it was a fake or whatever? If I was wrong, that would have been okay. But like, I just had to go home with it. And the guy was a, just such a jerk. You know what he said to me? He said, I can't sell it to you because it's on hold. I said, what? I was like, it's, I was like, dude, come on, man. I was, so then I offered him, I said, I'll pay $65. And he rolls his eyes he rolls his eyes at me and he goes, now, if you had a record on hold, if you had a record on hold and then I sold it to someone else for $10 more, would you be upset? Would you be mad? Would that piss you off? And I was like, all right. Yeah. Like true. It would. And I was like, I, I was like, at that point, it was like, I had to have it. If this dude was using reverse psychology on me, he was doing a great job. Cause I'm like, now I have to like, no, I like, I want to pay $65, $75 to know. I think I didn't go above 65. It was like 65. You know what I mean? Um, Rabner says this record store clerk sounds like a world-class sack of buttholes, but that was a lot of record store clerks, man. I listen, I used to be, I wasn't a record store clerk, but I worked in Sam Goody, FYE, Borders music section. 
you know, there is like, there's like a, there is like an elitism of like being like well-versed in music and working in a music section and like dealing with like, you know, plebeian mouth breathers all day who like come in and ask you stupid questions. You roll your eyes. You're just so much more in the know than them. Like it's a, it's an attitude, man. But I was like, seeing as that, like I'm familiar with that vibe. I was coming at this guy like very genuine and sincere. I was like, let me just buy it, man. Let me buy it. You know, I just want to, I just, I, I'll, I just want, I need to know you're not going to show it to me. So I'm willing to buy it since you're being a jerk. Cause he could have just showed me the record and I could have known maybe he was trying to get a sale out of me. In any case, he refused to take it down and he refused to sell it even at $10 more the price because it was on hold for somebody. So I left, I left and I was like, all right, this sucks. Like whatever. It's not a big deal. I went and I met with that friend. So we walked, I walked from, if you're familiar with New York city, I walked from St. Mark's, third avenue to union square where i was meeting my friend and we were going over some stuff we were going to try and do this film about the cask of montelato Edgar Allan poe whatever never came to nothing ever uh, materialized of it um when we were done with our meeting i went hey steven guy's name was steven i said steven would you do me a big favor and he goes yeah uh yeah what i'm like all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to cash out 55 bucks uh, at this ATM. It was probably actually $60. I gave him $60, right? Three twenties. And, um, and I go, I, I give him the money and I say, I want you. I showed him what it looked like online. I showed him a picture of the record that I wanted. He said, here, I want you to go into that store and try and buy this record. Sam Hain, Initium. Here's the money. See if the dude will sell it to you. Stephen, uh, Stephen obliges. We walked over. We we walked back to the record store on St. Mark's Place. Stephen goes in with the money, and I am waiting with bated breath because I'm like, I'm like, there's no way this guy is that much of a jerk that he's gonna sell Stephen this record. I mean, he is a jerk, but I'm like. Maybe he was he, he maybe it really is being held. I had to know. Steven comes out with a brown paper bag, and when he opens up the bag, he has my brand new Sam Hain Initium. <laughs> I walk up to the giant bay window and I tap on the glass so that the record store guy can see me. I hold up the record. And I give him the finger <laughs> and I go bye. And he's just looking at me dumbfounded, like just absolutely dumbfounded here. He thought like, let's say that he was the comic book guy from the Simpsons. He's like, I cannot wait to tell all of my favorite uh, comic book. Uh, sorry, not comic book. Sorry. My favorite record record aficionados. What I did to this fool I told him the record was not available and then I sold it right after he left and it was delicious. And um, he really thought, he really thought that he was like, and you know, I was so afraid that he would know it was me. I would have, I would have thought it was me. Like if, if someone came in, huh, that's weird. Two people asking about the same record in the same day. Hmm. 
you know, another, uh, another sort of, so we know that he just didn't want to sell me the record, right? The, we know that he didn't want to sell me the record, but it's also within the realm of possibility. And this, we know this is not true, but maybe he just wanted to buy it himself. Maybe he was obligated to put it up there in display and maybe he didn't want anybody messing with it because he legitimately wanted to wanted to own the record. And you want to know something that was not the case. The dude was a D bag and I got my record first pressing on black. I brought it to Steve Zing and I had Steve Zing sign it. And I listened to this record all the friggin' time. I don't listen to it. On repeat, it's a very old record. This record is older than me by a year. I was born in 85. This record was born in 84. So I'm very careful with it. But, you know, when I want to hear Sam Hain initiative and, you know, you know, being a fan of these bands, like there's something about listening to it, how people first heard this music. It's like it's special because I could just go on YouTube and listen to it. But it's like. There's something about listening to it on this. It's just, it's great, man. It's great. <laughs> okay. I'm doing this just for Ravner. Thank you. Thank you. I'm seeing that uh, it's a good comic book guy impression. All right. Ravner wants do the comic book guy arguing with DD Ramon, please. Okay. I'm going to do that right now. <clears throat> now I'm on the spot. I don't know if it might not. This is not going to be funny. This is not this is not going to be funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, DD what am I what am I saying? Um uh <laughs> I I don't know man, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, uh <laughs> Come on, just sell me Ramones leave home. Uh, I cannot do that because this copy has the track Carbona, not glue, which was not on later copies of Ramones leave home. So it is not possible to sell it to you, but all I want to do is sniff some glue. Come on. I don't know. I can't do it. I'm trying. I'm trying. What's up, Amy? How you doing? We're talking records tonight, arguing over pinball. Yes, uh, I find the Ramones pinball game to be rather overrated. The pinheads do not uh, work when I pull the lever. I don't know what you're talking about. All we want to do is sniff some glue. I don't know. I don't know. Thank you. I, I try. Thank you. I try. I try. Uh, you know, that's the thing about the impressions. When you think too much about them, they don't work. Like, I can't be thinking about it. I just have to do it. And then sometimes it's really funny. Um, <laughs> Dan likes the uh, Dan likes the Glenn impressions and Amy likes the Beatles impressions. I love, I love doing my <coughs> I love doing my Beatles impressions. No, it's not good. That's not good. Um, do John, let's uh, let's try it again. Let's work on the middle eight, okay? I want. So who's been touching my? Who's been touching my drum kit? 
Um, you know, it's funny. I once heard, uh, what's his face? Simon. Oh my God. What's the guy from Shaun of the dead? Simon something. He was saying that in order to do each Beatles impression, uh, Paul is up. John is the middle. Ringo is down. You have, it's like Northeast, South and West. And that like, that's how you do it. Dan likes the Glenn impression. I, okay. We're talking about records today. Okay. That's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically it. Did we, I'm trying to think. Oh, then, and then here's the other thing too. So as I said at the beginning, here's another part, another part, as I said at the beginning, we are this, you have to think of this as like the, the Hobbit of what eventually is going to be the Lord of the Rings because Boom. Um, I'm just trying to find his name on here. Frederick, the author of this book, Frederick. There were two authors, Michael Goodman and there's Frederick, I think. And if I'm leaving anybody out, don't, don't be upset. Frederick sent me this book. It's out of print. And he sent me a copy and I have been, uh, we're going to have Frederick on the show. Actually, I want to have Frederick on the show. Um, this is how you can tell. This is how you tell that you, you, you use this to determine something with the vinyl. I don't know. We'll, we'll learn more about that later. This is what he sent to me overseas from Europe on earth as it, as it is in hell the discography series. I also have volume one, but I have it digitally. And at some point we are going to deep dive. We're going to go balls deep on the sucker. We're just going to go balls deep. It's out of print. So we're not impacting sales. You can't get this book at all. Okay. And we'll have Frederick on to talk about how they wrote this book. Look at this thing, man, just about misfits stuff. Like it's incredible. Um, I am so excited. There's probably so much stuff that some of it might be really like technical, but some of it might be really like, uh, like, you know, relevatory and whatnot. So I'm very much looking forward to deep diving like, like, a, like the way you save a fine wine. I have been saving this for a special occasion and I'm thinking this year is the year that we do it. So for the kids, we're going to do this. We're going to uh, go through it. We're going to start with volume one and then we'll go into volume two. And I just want to say it was so nice of this dude to sell me one of his copies. He didn't sell it to me. He gave it to me. He just gave it to me. And it was really, really sweet of him and awesome. Um, and I guess he watches the show and just was just at, out of the generosity of his heart sent me a volume. And so we are going to document it we're going to talk about it um because you can't get this book anymore so one of those things oh thank you very much this is coming this is not coming at my third party software thank you for the uh thank you for the support floodland i really appreciate it it says pair character stretching his arm forward and raising his thumb up <laughs> thank you um, so yeah, so we're going to go through 
that book. Dan says, nice, I want that. I'm about to start on the original 7783 vinyl collection. I already have a few. Um, that's great. Oh, there's there's another volume. Wait, what? I didn't know that. So there's a third volume coming and it's going to be Walk Among Us. How about that? Just when I think there's nothing left to talk about, there's more to talk about. So now here's the other thing. We talked before about the, um, we talked before about the thrill of collecting and going out there and finding a new store and sifting through bins and, you know, hoping and visualizing you're going to find that thing that, that you need to complete your collection or whatever. And the euphoria of finding something that you didn't know existed. Um, you know, you sometimes you might go looking for one band and then you discover this other band that you didn't even know existed. So, so much of collecting is about the hunt and it's about its education. And it's also about the people that you meet along the way. Because when you do anything in life, any interest that you have, Whenever you meet somebody, I mean, sorry, wherever you go to something that interests you, you're bound to cross paths with somebody who also has the same interest. Thank you. Thank you, Runners Dial Zero, for the support. Much appreciate it. Sheba Dog with sparkles in his eyes saying, my hero. Thank you. Thank you, Runner. Much appreciated. You're bound to run into someone who is into the same thing that you are. And this is how you make lifelong friends, right? Whether you're, whether you're at a concert and you meet someone else who's as fanatical as the band as you, whether you're at a comic book store and you're looking for, you know, Spider-Man number 300 with the Todd McFarlane cover and you bump into someone else who's also looking for that cover and you want to strangle each other because you're both looking for no that doesn't happen but you know what i mean actually it probably does um or you're looking for you know seventh wave star wars variant action figures from 1997 you know you're looking for <laughs> you're looking for like uh you know cloud city lobot with the frigate you know what i mean like whatever it is that you are searching for it's like it's adventure it's like it's kind of like being Indiana Jones, but for collectibles, like you're off looking for something that belongs and deserves to be in a museum, right? Like on that level, um, that's the way it was. And now times have changed. Now times have changed and they just keep rapidly evolving. We talked about Discogs and obviously eBay has been around forever, but there's this new thing that has cropped up in the last few years. And I'm going to use uh, this as an example. This is the Fiend Collectors Facebook group. Some of you may be a part of it. I personally am part of it as well. Not because, like I said, as you know, I'm not collecting per se, but just because, A, I like looking at items that are being collected, but B, it's just it's a great way of looking at things. Here is someone named Todd Wilson talking about a collection they just acquired. And I commented on this wondering, wow, like this is so like what a crazy collection you got. Here's this is 41 pictures. Look at all this stuff. This was all acquired in one lot. And I was sad to learn that 
I in fact know the owner of these relics. Um, it's Chris Corkum's collection. Remember, Chris he used to be on here all the time. He used to always be in the chat. He used to see the Misfits live. What does that say? Look at that. Something's printed on there. Um, and Chris passed away, man. Twenty early twenty twenty one, I think. Or was it early twenty twenty two? I can't remember. Tragically passed away and. It looks like his mom, no, not his mom. I think his mom also passed away. Somebody is somebody, maybe it was his sister or something. Somebody has uh, gotten rid of his collection. It's a list of all his stuff. It's really, really sad. Somebody has gotten rid of his collection and, uh, you know, some not gotten rid of it, sold it, and now it's being bought as a lot. We were talking about that before. In any case, that's neither here nor there. Look, someone got this today at Rec Reckless Records in Chicago. Not too bad of a price for a first pressing. Let me tell you something. I would absolutely buy that today. If I saw that at, Re at uh, Reckless Records, which I used to go to all the time when I lived in Chicago, I would absolutely drop $100 on November Coming Fire. Hands down, straight up. Yeah, Crazy White Boy remembers, um, remembers Chris. He was such a sweetheart of a guy. And he had his dog. Remember Bo? His dog, Bo. Uh, in any case, in any case, someone's asking, does it have the lyric sheet? Yes, it does. Cool. It has a lyric sheet. Um, now the, we have these new communities. People no longer have to meet at record stores. You can meet online because there is an online niche you know, thing for everything. And so now people are meeting and trading and talking and all this stuff is happening in these groups that you have commun these communities that are forming and people are like, you know, sharing ideas and, um, you know, share comparing collections. And it's just really rad, man. It's just really, really friggin' rad. And that's like where things are at today. Like this guy. I mean, this is what Misfit Samhain Danzig fans like Bo here do. Like if you see somebody wearing a, fee, a, fee, a Samhain shirt, you have to show, you have to show them. Um, yeah, I don't know. Dan says first record I ever bought on eBay back in 99 was the original Wolf's Blood German pressing like in. Like an idiot, I sliced the box open with the scissors and made a huge cut down the center of the cover. That is that is a tragedy. He's still looking for a replacement cover if anybody has one. Um, <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, so you have and all the time, like super interesting, rare stuff comes to light, or you know, people find like people look. Let's see them fiend seven inches. Now, if you wanted to do this back in the 90s or the 80s, you had to meet up with people. And now you have people, look, here's Roger Merritt from, from Agnostic Front saying all original variant pressings, who I actually interviewed last year for my project. Uh, Roger's in the movie. Roger's in the doc. I met up with him outside of a Agnostic Front show. And we did our interview. It was really cool to hear from him. But look, here's all his. He's a fiend. Here's all his vinyl. You know, everybody just shares their stuff. It's really rad. Really freaking rad. Um, 
Only 2,000 of those, those Nye Living Deads. Whoa, Jody Ramone is ready to go. Dude, it really is ready to go. It's like time to go. It's 10.03. And uh, I got to be up early tomorrow to, you know, start making hay, grinding the bread. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Rosemary's Babies. That just came. This is like a, the new compilation, right? Um, That just came out or just was re-released. So, yeah, man. Like, it's amazing to see how stuff has changed the way people collect has changed discogs i have this right here this is this is a really cool bootleg um yeah i don't know i don't know that's really it you guys i i guess we'll uh i guess maybe we could look through some of the comments before we wrap it up here yeah you're gonna have to go watch it back don't ever apologize for not making to a live stream they live forever. I don't think there's, I think we kind of were good, pretty good with the comments. I know we skipped over comments, but I mean, there's nothing really more to add. I guess I'm coincidentally wearing my Initium shirt today. Perfect. I got it in high school. I chose it over the November coming fire shirt because I knew it would freak people out. It's definitely a freaky deaky shirt. I have one as well that uh, Steve Zing gave to me some years back. That doesn't fit very well anymore, um, unfortunately. But I still have it. Still wear it from time to time. Um, <clears throat> what was I going to say? All right. A couple of things. A couple of housekeeping things. So the, the t-shirt design. Remember I told you guys we're going to start doing trivia on here soon. Like right now, if this was a trivia episode, we would be doing a trivia to close out the show. And the way it works is that I ask a question, or maybe I'm going to ask a series of questions. I haven't decided yet. And then you email at fromismail at gmail.com down in the description. You send in your answer to me. And the first, and I can tell by the timestamp, the first correct answer to come into the mailbox will be awarded a free T-shirt, a limited edition design, Misfits-inspired, it's uh, from a shirt and uh, for the channel, I guess you could call it, uh, you know, merch or something. I don't know. Um, I'm really happy with the design. And the plan is that and what you'll do is if you win, you'll send me your address and your T-shirt size. I'm not going to order the shirts until I have every winner in so I can order the exact sizes. I'm not just going to order a bunch of random sizes and guess. So the whole point is that you win a shirt, you send me your size and your skull, and then I will mail out that shirt. Now, here is the caveat for those of you who are outside of the United States. You cannot participate. I am so sorry. It's just I my plan is to give these shirts away for free and to pay for shipping and handling. And I simply cannot afford to do anything outside of the continental United States. So I'm limiting this contest to within the continental United States. That's how it has to play out. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe if depending on where you are, if you want to cover 
postage outside of the continental United States, maybe that's a great way to include you. I don't know. I was thinking about that the other day. Um, and like I said, I don't know how many shirts that are going to be done, but it's going to be a limited number. And once it's done, it's done. I'm never going to repress those shirts again. It's just for this fun trivia contest thing. Trivia will encompass everything we discuss on the Frumis channel. So maybe it'll be a Beatles question. Maybe it'll be a Misfits question. Maybe it'll be a Danza question. Maybe we talk about Return of the Living Dead. Anything that is discussed on the channel is fair game. Uh, you are entitled to use the internet to find the answer. I don't think you should. I think that would be super lame if you did, but I can't keep track of everybody who does this. I mean, you know, either you will or you won't. Um, so it's whoever can do it the fastest. Whoever gets me the answer the first, first is the winner, winner, chicken dinner. Okay. That's the plan. Okay. So free shirts on me, including shipping and handling, but, but, but it's gotta be within the continental United States. And like I said, maybe we'll work something out. If you're outside of the U S and you said, maybe it'll, you'll have to pay for postage and shipping. How about that? I think that's a good, I think that's a good commerce. So you still get a free shirt. But it's, it just it can't cost me anything to ship it to you. That's the only that's the only uh, thing. OK, that would be the only caveat for that. So we'll see if it's inside of the continental United States. Fine. That's OK. Um, so that's what I want to do. That's the plan. And I don't know how many shirts. I think maybe it might be 30 shirts. That's the plan. So it'll be 30 trivia questions. So 30 trivia questions on 30 episodes for 30 shirts. I'm thinking that's the plan. Um, and whatever is pressed up is pressed up and that's it. It will not be repressed. It's it's that it, it, it is that thing. And it's just for this. It's just a fun sort of thing for us to do. Okay. But the idea is that you watch to the end of the episode and then you have to answer the question. Okay. Um, additional things to look out for coming up. Uh, if you are a Patreon or a YouTube member, keep your eyes peeled for that first John Christ episode to drop. More of that is coming. We just have, we have a secret show that premieres tomorrow. If you are a YouTube member or if you are a Patreon, there is a brand new top secret show coming to you tomorrow. Um, I recorded it on Friday and uh, it's a topic that we have absolutely not discussed yet within the misfits, Samhain Danzig sphere. And uh, yeah, so that's coming that then uh, more Lodi files is coming and something that I'm really friggin' stoked about, like really stoked about it's none of the stuff that you guys are super interested. It's soup. Like all of this is self-indulgent, but this is super self-indulgent. I have written a brand new original narrative screenplay that I eventually hope to make my, uh, my, my third movie, my third film, uh, my shadow. That's what it's called. And I am going to be doing it as a audio play. Okay. That's the plan. It's going to be a audio play. And uh, we're going to do it here on the channel and people, the, everybody who I want to be in the audio play, they've already received their scripts. I hope you will join us for this um, because 
it uh i just think it would be a lot of fun and uh it's kind of like a radio drama so you just you know you put on your headphones you don't need to look at anything you could be working could be doing something and you get taken away to another world that's that is the plan okay um my voice is hoarse i can't talk anymore what's up angus i see angus up there angus always showing up um and more live shows coming always more live shows coming so i hope you enjoyed this episode thank you we'll uh we'll play out with the patreon peace hair grease all the good stuff and we will see you next time hey guys what's going on it's jeff so i've decided to make a patreon what is patreon i don't know how to define a patreon let me look it up patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating i want to do it full-time i want this to be my full-time job in my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I don't know. But I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so right now I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee. But it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that $1.38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates that subscribes, that's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents.